Church. Once again, we are gathered in our sanctuary to lead the congregation in worship, as most of you are in your homes. Nancy and Sharon and I are here to create worship for this congregation, and we pray always that this worship will not only glorify God, but will serve to uh, feed your souls and lead you in worship each week. Just a couple of announcements as I do, between, as, as I do at the beginning of every service. And that is that there are other opportunities for you to connect with Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church. There is still the Tuesday morning women's group that gathers on Zoom. There is still the youth group that goes on at around 4 o'clock every Sunday. And there are still the uh, Sunday school that goes on at 10 a.m. And there are other possibilities coming along, so hopefully we can still stay well connected to each other during this time. But now it is time to worship, so let us prepare ourselves to worship God.
please stand and join us in our call to worship. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. O God, you have done great things for us, though we barely understand them. Today, in this ongoing Easter season, may the Spirit of Christ surprise us again. Let us worship. Please join in singing our first hymn, Christ is Risen, Shout Hosanna. Continue with me as we join together in the unison morning prayer. Merciful God, we thank you for the unexpected joy and grace of the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. We admit that sometimes we live pessimistically, as if Christ was dead and buried forever, leaving us to go it alone. We confess to you that sometimes we live guiltily, as if Christ's forgiveness is only attainable by those who are worthy. Help us to get it together, both as individuals and as a Christian community. Forgive our sins and fill us with the breath of your Spirit. Deliver us from negative thoughts that can cripple us, from fashionable ideas that can mislead us, from wounded memories that can infect us, and from a pre-Easter faith that can entomb us. Restore to us the joy of Easter and lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, listen and believe in the gospel. We trust in a God who will not let us go. We trust in a God that will love us no matter what. We trust in a God that will come to us in all situations and give us strength and fortitude to make it through. Friends, believe and trust in the gospel that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You can live each day as a brand new day.
So may the peace of Christ be with each one of you. And also with you. Let us take a moment to share peace with one another. Peace to you, Sharon. Peace to you, Nancy. The first reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 12. I'm reading from the message version of the Bible. Listen for God's word to you. Paul writes, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word.
And let the people say, Amen. Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of John in chapter 20. I am reading from the message version. Please listen. <clears throat> listen for God's word to you. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but were fearful of the Jews, and had locked all the doors in the house. But Jesus entered and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath, and he breathed into them, Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Folks, today we're fortunate to have with us three senior high students who are part of our youth group here at Rolling Day Presbyterian Church. Jane Ekstrin, Mackenzie Burkhart, and Spencer Fiscom. All of them have been involved for quite a few years in the ministry here at Rolling Bay, and all of them go to Bainbridge High School, I believe. And I've asked them here today to talk a little bit about what it's like uh, with all the changes, how they've had to adapt, and uh, what their lives are like now going forward as they think about college and so forth. So I want to get started by just throwing out a question like, what has been the most difficult thing to adapt to with all the changes? I know for me personally, uh, the most most difficult thing has been not seeing people every day. I'm a very extroverted person, and so it's been hard. Even even just you know people who you would never even think of, just everyone at school, teachers, friends, uh, and and other people around 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 the community. Not seeing them every day has been hard for me personally. I completely yeah. just echoing with what Spencer is saying. That's been a very similar experience for me. Because, like Spencer said, I'm also a very extroverted person, and I just miss the community connection that comes with, you know, doing life with the people around you, and especially when things are um, as crazy and unpredictable as they are now, it would be really great to be able to be in community, but for the health and safety of everyone else, you know, isolation is kind of the best practice. What about you, Mackenzie? Yeah, well, I was just thinking about what Jane said about the uncertainty. I think that for me is probably the biggest thing is not knowing, uh, like with grading, not knowing if that's, you know, what's going to happen with that or not knowing about graduation, not knowing about prom, just really having to make peace with not knowing. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess it's out of my control. It's out of all of our control. So, so I've made peace with it. So now, are each of you uh, planning, or, or were you planning on going to college when you graduate this year? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so tell me about this whole kind of college search thing in terms of getting accepted and trying to make decisions in a very uncertain moment. Well, I'll speak for me that I did make my decision before all of this um, craziness happened. I am going to Clemson University next year. And I have been looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to going off to college for a really long time. And getting my acceptance letter to Clemson was one of the best, like, excitement days of my life. Um, but it is really hard to think about there's uncertainty if next year, fall semester, will even go on as planned. Um, currently, my college orientation, which was supposed to happen in June, has been moved online. Um, and there is talk about possibly um, so, uh, fall semester could be postponed or something. So I think that's been hard to navigate the disappointment and all these expectations that I had that I would be moving to college soon. But it's in the Lord's So, Jane... Jane, congratulations on getting accepted at Clemson and making that decision. 
So have you ever thought that you might spend your whole first semester or first quarter just again, once again, in your bedroom on Zoom? No, I never thought that. I still <laughs> can't even um, really comprehend it fully. I guess one um, fun thing that's kind of been giving me life recently in relation to Clemson reaching out to um, get through this is the Clemson mascot is Tigers. And my roommate sent me an acronym that Clemson put out that says, this is going to end real soon. And I think that that's just a really hopeful atmosphere about Clemson and that even though if I won't be able to um, start campus in the fall, I can still be connected with the university and they're really making an effort. So that's nice. What about you, Spencer or Mackenzie? Mackenzie, do you want to go? Mine's a little lengthy, so I figure. Oh, yeah, mine's not lengthy at all. I don't think uh, I've really thought too much about college in terms of uh, this. I got accepted to University of Washington, which is where I'm going. Uh, but I don't think uh, the, the coronavirus stuff hasn't really uh, factored into my decision making for next year. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think I'm glad that it's so close to home. So, uh, you know, depending on what changes happen, uh, I don't need to worry about, you know, being stranded or travel or, um, or any of that sort of stuff. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I, so I'm not just out of curiosity, Mackenzie, are they, um, what's like the communication from University of Washington right now? towards students like you that have been accepted and, and, and want to go there? Um, as far as communication goes right now, it's really just been uh, admission stuff for uh, like virtual tours. Like they've cut off all of their in-person tours. So you just uh, go through and watch videos, um, which has worked pretty well. Um, they seem to be staying hopeful. There's not, not really been much word about what's going to happen in the fall, but, uh, but that is what it is. Yeah. How about you, Spencer? Um, so I'm still undecided about where I'm heading off to university in the fall. Um, but it's come down to three choices. I am still in the running for a, uh, a program over at American university in Washington, DC, uh, called the Frederick Douglass distinguished scholars program. And if I'm chosen to be a part of that, then I'll be studying over there four years and if not i'll be choosing between uh uh the honors program at the university of washington or at california state university san marcos down near uh, san diego california but uh mm -hmm. as far as those two choices goes both uh the university of washington and american have a deadline to decide whether or not i'm going to be going there by may 1st so i'm hoping to hear back from uh the american scholarship people before then so I can make my decision no matter what it is but yeah I'm still deciding and and as far as as the online portion goes I'm preparing to to start online and maybe maybe up to the next year being online because I, I I'm, I'm trying to keep my expectations low I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah no I've taken the same approach <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It's almost unfathomable to think that, you know, from two months ago, whatever you were thinking then to what's changed now, the notion that you may end up spending your first semester in college just basically in your Definitely. home. Definitely. It's I mean, been hard to I mean, to conceptualize that, and it still still is. Mm -hmm. Now, how has, uh, how has this whole situation affected you guys in terms of graduation and all the things that go on with that? I think that there is a that I mean it's kind of an obvious part, but the situation has definitely robbed a lot of the joy that was I think traditionally comes with the end of your senior year. There's a lot of um, fun traditions and experiences that you really plan on getting to have, um, this, especially in the spring, the last few months. So I think that has been hard to have those things that you expected to happen be taken away but the school has done a really good job of staying hopeful and continuing to reach out 
And um, so I don't think anyone knows what the future will hold with plans for graduation or prom or grad night out. Um, but the school is really putting in an effort. So that's comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am part of the, the ASB team at Bainbridge High School right now. And we're not, I'm not technically a senior class officer, so I'm not the ones who are supposed to be in charge of plan. But I know that the eight of us, all seniors who are together in that are, are definitely looking to have some sort of celebration for our class. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that email that Ms. Hazel sent out, I think last week. Yeah. But it was yes. about the plan ABC type deal for prom. So I think I think worst case scenario will be will be invited back at homecoming this next year to do some kind of class recognition celebration ceremony, but uh, for prom at least. But as far as graduation goes, I'm still pretty unsure on on what's going to happen. But I appreciate, just like Jane said, I appreciate the effort that the school district has put into trying to communicate that to seniors and their families. Yeah, yeah. I've also really appreciated how the school district has acknowledged that a lot of what we're feeling is grief. And I think putting that word on it has been really helpful for me, mm -hmm. uh, just because it validates what I'm going through. Uh, I think I'm definitely better off right now than towards the beginning. And I had a lot of hope, I would say, in the first couple of weeks of going back to school. Uh, and then once we were told that that wasn't going to be the reality, it really kind of sunk in. Um, and yes. it was really rough. But um, but now, I think uh, with the messaging that we are getting from the school, like with what Spencer and Jane are talking about, like the ABC plan for prom, that's been nice. The graduation one uh, is a little bit more uncertain, and the option C for that one, the worst-case scenario, is a Zoom graduation or some sort of virtual graduation. With, uh, that's what Zoom graduation. We could graduate in our PJs, which could be nice. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of the difficulties of adapting is uh, you learn the difficult, you learn something about yourself that can be hard, but at the same time, you learn something about yourself that you didn't even know you had before. Is there anything positive that you guys have learned about adapting to a reality you never planned for? Um. For me, this has been a time where I, I've wanted to improve myself. Uh, I, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection, just being here at home, sitting around and having the time to actually think about, you know, who I am and what I want and how to live a meaningful life. And the skill that I've, I've decided I want to work on is discipline. And this is a great time to work on discipline. And I would not wish this time period and its effects on anyone, but... I figure now is the time where I can develop a routine, a schedule, and really hold myself accountable to be doing things and being productive. And so I'm happy with the progress that I made, even in a short amount of time where I've committed to doing that. But that's been a key part of how I've decided to adapt is to, to develop some discipline. Yeah, kind of adding on wow. to Spencer, at the beginning of each year, I kind of pick a word to focus on my attentions and coincidentally my word for 2020 was trust and so what I have definitely had to lean on in this time is trusting that God's timing will work trust that he will work this for good Romans 828 is just I repeat it over and over in my head all the time um, and just trusting that like like I said, the timing will come when we all get to move to college and move in forward in the next chapters of chapters of our life. It might not be in August and September like we planned, but um, the timing, like it's it's going to work out, and there will be there will be um, silver linings in all this. Mm. Yeah, I I think I'm kind of learning uh, gratitude right now in kind of a, a bizarre time to, to exercise gratitude. Um, like just being with my family, I think, like especially before heading off to college, it's really nice to have the extra family time. And I know that before I went into this school year, I really wanted to make the most of every second in the classroom. And I ended up with a lot fewer seconds in the classroom. 
but I know that in the future, there's a chance I'll look back on this time right now I have, and I'll wish that I, you know, did this or that in this time that I'm given at home. And so I'm really just trying to be grateful for what I have right now and the time that I'm able to spend with my family. Thanks, Mackenzie. So, Mackenzie and Spencer and Jane, thanks for taking the time just to uh, share with me on this podcast. That'll be a part of our church worship service this Sunday. And I appreciate you guys just sharing, you know, from your heart, things like discipline and trust and gratitude, which I think all of us are struggling with in different ways as we live most of our life at home and spend it just with our immediate family. But in time, I'm sure all this will be will be something that we look back on with some amazing stories to share with others to go through our lives. But I appreciate the time you spent with me today. And uh, who knows, we might do this again. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. 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 As you have just heard from our senior high kids, from Spencer and Mackenzie and Jane, one of the realities that everybody faces today, whether you're a little toddler, a high school kid, a middle-aged folks, or somebody who's much older, is that we're all having to adapt. How would you adapt to the reality of getting acceptance letters from all kinds of different colleges? Let's say a nice, wonderful Ivy League school back east, a private school in the Midwest, or getting an acceptance letter from the University of Washington or one of the other schools here in the state. And in those acceptance letters, they said something like, we'd love to have you join our university. You're a fantastic student. Uh, just one small caveat. We can't make any promises that you'll be able to be in our dorms or any of our housing. We can't even make any promises that you will be in any classrooms. We can promise that we'll provide for you the best education we can in your bedroom on Zoom. We're all having to adapt. No one ever prepared high school teens for the reality of thinking about next year in September, October, November and spending more time in their bedrooms on computer connections learning from university professors who are far, far away probably in their own homes doing the same thing. Adaptability is something that all of us humans have to deal with on a regular basis. How would you like to discover that you have macular degeneration? And you go from being somebody who sees very well to knowing that over time, for the rest of your life, no matter the great eye doctors that you see, Sooner or later, if you live long enough, you'll be legally blind, and then you may be totally blind. But you may have a body, and you may have a mind, and you may have friends, but you have to adapt from being somebody who sees to somebody who doesn't see. Life is a series of adapting to new realities. And one of the most beautiful things that we have as Christians is that we believe in a God who adapts to us. You know, you don't really hear very often in theological books about one of the essential traits of God is God's adaptability. That God figures out different ways to communicate, to love, and to work with the various people that God is calling. Just read the Bible. The Bible is a story from almost the beginning to the end of adapting to the needs and adapting to the realities of different people who spoke different languages, who had different realities. So God calls prophets who are different at times. God calls prophets who are nothing more than grape pickers and vine dressers like Amos and Hosea. Or God calls prophets who are highly educated priests like Isaiah. Or God calls various leaders who are both women and men. And God speaks to the voice of someone like Esther, who isn't Jewish or anything but from another land altogether. Because the God that you and I believe in adapts. 
And this adaptability is more than just a nice thing. It is exactly what God does when God finally says, I am going to send my son. I'm going to change the way I work with humanity. I'm going to act differently. And I'm not only going to whisper into someone's ear, I'm going to come to them in full flesh and full blood and give them my life. And when people do not respond in kind, but when people respond with anger, frustration, fear, well, they kill the very God we worship. And God adapts again in a moment of grace and beauty that many of us are still trying to figure out what does this resurrection mean for each of us. In today's story, you have the story of the day of the resurrection in the Gospel of John, and God in the minds of those who follow Jesus has failed. Jesus came, Jesus taught, Jesus did lots of miracles, Jesus cared for people, Jesus fed people, Jesus developed a full following of people who came to him even in Jerusalem, and then he was crucified. And all of those followers, all the people who were trusting Jesus for something new, something different, were afraid. Were afraid that they were next. Were afraid that the authorities would find them and associate them with Jesus, and they would end up with the same reality, crucified and dead. But God, God takes our lack of understanding. God takes us when we no longer fully grasp what's going on. God takes moments that we live into where we cannot see the end, where there is no seeming even light at the end of the tunnel. God takes those moments, and in a surprising act of grace and redemption, God is resurrected and comes back into this world with a new body and with a new life and comes to the people who are most afraid and says, surprisingly, peace. Peace to you. Peace to you, my brothers. Peace to you, my sisters. There is nothing to be afraid of. And in that same stroke of surprising beauty and peace, God breathes into them and asks them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and then adapts again to the human reality of sin and says to the very disciples who are now exuberant in seeing Jesus again, forgive sins. Go out into this world and forgive sins as God forgives you. Why would you ever hold on to the sins of others. What are you going to do with them? Holding on to sins is something that we human beings seem to do very well. But God has no desire to hold on to your sins or my sins or anyone's sins. God has only one desire, that is to forgive your sin, forgive your fear, forgive your lack of hope, forgive whatever struggles you may have caused in others and turn to you and say, set it aside and peace. Because from a place of peace, you can act anew in the love that God gives to all of us. One of the essential traits that God has and that God offers to each of us is to adapt to your individual needs, to adapt to the needs of nations. And God is adapting today in ways that we will only know in the future, but that adaptability to help humanity work through its struggles, to offer humanity new life even as old life is passing away, that very trait of God is what is necessary for us to grasp 
and to hold on to as we live in these days. Because each one of us is being called to adapt in ways that we can't even imagine. In fact, right after this service today, I have a meeting with our session. And one of the things I have asked our session to consider is not just the everyday ordinary questions, but the question of how can excuse me, how can Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church think about our future and think about how we are called to do ministry if we are required to live into these days all the way through this year and all the way into next year. You know, the one expert who has been most trusted, Dr. Fauci, who's ahead of this oversight team in Washington, D.C. for this whole issue. Dr. Fauci has said over and over again, it will probably take between 12 and 18 months before our communities can come out again when there's a vaccine and so forth. And so how can we imagine what it's like to be a community here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church thinking 18 months ahead, what kind of ministry do we need to be doing when we're socially distant? What kind of actions can we develop that we haven't even thought about? And in the process of doing this, how do we keep our fear at bay and our frustrations at bay when we're being asked to adapt to something we never considered before. We can trust that God, whose love is adaptable to each situation in which we live, is still coming into our communities, and as we think toward the future, that same God who came to fearful people in locked doors in Jerusalem is coming to us and is saying to us, as you think about your future, as you decide what college you're going to, as your community has to figure out ways to adapt even though it may not have the technological skills or any experience in doing what I'm calling you to do, I say to you from this side of the resurrection, peace. Peace to your decision making, peace to your experiments in creating community across the internet, Peace to reaching out to people through telephones, through the web, through whatever means necessary. Peace to each of you as you are trying to adapt and wait for surgeries, elective surgeries that you may need. Peace to each one of you as you live in this new world where the reality of COVID-19 is real, but the reality and the power of the resurrection and the Holy Spirit of God is stronger and is bringing peace into your lives. May you experience not only the challenge of this day, but may you experience the very voice of God into your hearts, into your communities, even into your businesses as you make decisions in an uncertain time and you adapt the best you can, hear the words of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Peace be with you. Amen. And now I invite you to stand and join in singing this Easter hymn, Now the Green Blade Rises.
now you may be seated and let us let us pray most wonderful God as we assemble in the sanctuary and as we worship in our homes deliver us from negative thoughts and worrisome worries even though we face a new day with new global challenges we ask you to place within us a spirit of love a spirit of peace a spirit of faith and trust in you and a spirit of hope let Easter remind us of the possibilities you create when we come to the end of our understanding God our Creator we give thanks for the ongoing miracle that brought forth life on this planet and for the providence which continues to sustain it. We thank you for the rich diversity of life, for all the creatures that enjoy the sunshine and those that frequent the night, for all that swims in the waters, grazes on the land, feeds among the branches of trees, and soars through the air. God our Savior, we give thanks especially for your loving covenant with humanity and for the ongoing miracle of your saving deeds as you keep faith with us. Above everything else, we give thanks for the words and deeds, death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, in whom salvation is made complete. His is the beauty that opens our eyes. His is the truth that sets us free. His is the love that enlarges our compassion. His is the cross that saves the lost. And his is the joy that fills and overflows our being. God, our imminent friend, we give thanks for the intimate way you choose to stay close to us, your spirit never tiring or sleeping by day or by night. We thank you for the rebirth you give each of us in our lives for your gift of this church community and other church communities, for the way you nurture and counsel us, the way you goad and guide and govern us, empower and enlarge our gifts, and bless our service with fruits we did not think possible. Loving God, friend of the earth, you are forever immortal, wise, and compassionate, we pray, for our larger we pray for a larger cultivation of those qualities among people of all races and beliefs. No matter what politics people hold, keep all leaders alert to injustices wherever they happen and increase their wisdom so that governments may be able to redress wrongs without adding more injustice through knee-jerk reaction. No matter how inept people may seem, or whatever their social status, may each person have a fair access to community welfare agencies of government and charities, and may these agencies be wise stewards of their resources. No matter how elderly some are, or how handicapped in body or mind others may be, may every citizen be treated with respect and compassion and given the same medical and personal care as we would afford the young or the rich. No matter what the cynics say, no matter how immense the needs of suffering or humanity around the world, give us the wisdom to choose the most effective way of helping and give us the compassion, fortitude, and resilience to keep at it no matter what the odds. No matter what faith our neighbors may belong to, for how odd some of their religious observances may appear to us, give us the wisdom to see beyond outward form to the inner reality and the love to overlook faults, just as you, loving God, overlook our faults. No matter how ineffective ministers might, like me may sometimes seem to their congregations, or whatever weaknesses ministers think they discern in their congregations, Give each the compassion and wisdom to affirm each other's strengths and to make up for each other's deficiencies. Lord, it is you who shall bring us through this beautiful day and challenging times. 
So we turn to you and boldly pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, as we prepare to offer our gifts to God, you can imagine for a moment the ushers coming forward, like Carl and Ruthie and Bill and others, and you can imagine the plates going through the various pews as you place in your offerings, and instead of placing them in the plates, you can imagine yourself going online or getting out your checkbook and mailing in your pledge or your support so the ministries of this congregation can continue to thrive. Please give generously.
Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you in many different ways. And we pray that as we enter into this week, where once again we live under stay-at-home orders, we pray that you will use us in ways that are ordinary and maybe even surprise us and use us in ways that are extraordinary. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now, please stand and join in singing our final hymn, Christ is Alive. now let us charge one another. Go out to the world in peace, have courage, hold on to what is good, return no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.